Salutations. <laughs> it's just impossible. Continue. That Continue. is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's fucking they haven't. I'm picturing once. you just sitting there with a soundboard in front of you, and you're like just pl- pressing dog noises. Uh, pressing dog. <laughs> that would be that would be delicious. Anyway, sorry. Welcome to episode 236 of the Ham Radio Podcast. I am Maddie. I have a host named Carrick, of course. And then we have yeah. a couple co-hosts called the Dogs. <laughs> we do, we do. Sorry, peeps. No, nothing to apologize for. See, that's why I started doing the uh, the podcast in the studio because you know I'm avoiding the the dogs at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm making sure Dude. my dogs are at my garage door. My garage door was your dogs every time. Yeah, your garage door was ridiculously yeah. loud because I'm sitting on top of the the garage door itself. So when it went up, it was like for like. Oh, you mean hour. where your bedroom is? is yeah, like above that. I'm oh, just directly God. above. So that's why, like, you hear it so intensely. And like in my case, <laughs> I can feel it on my feet. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's every time I'm doing the podcast. Anyway, Carrick, I, I cut off your introduction. By all means, go for it. Nah, it's just Carrick with ACG. And I hope we get through this one. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're new here, welcome. This is a, a weekly gaming podcast where we just round up the news. Highlights of the week, uh, what we're playing, your patron questions. We talk about all of it. I have a Patreon. Uh, Carrick has a Patreon. They are both linked in the description down below. So if you're interested in, like, for my case, early access to this show, early access to uh, my other show, a supplemental podcast called uh, BFGFAFK with my girlfriend, where we talk about more real-life topics, life advice, that type of stuff. Uh, if that's your speed, um, then you can get access to that, or you can just wait, get all this stuff for free on platforms like Spotify, uh, Google Play, of course, Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, also there, I upload exclusive Patreon videos on the occasion, and uh, you can hop in the Discord and be a part of this show as well as the uh, the other show I had mentioned. But Carrick, anything going on in your Patreon? Um, let's see. I'm going to do some VR stuff with Skyrim and... Same. Uh, I was planning a video for that. That's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> uh, for Skyrim or VR in particular? Skyrim VR, yeah. Did I tell Are you, you getting I got a VR? VR system? I didn't tell you. You did not. I, yeah, I have an not. Oculus Rift now. Oculus Rift S. Oh, congratulations. Okay, oh, cool. I love it. Cool, cool. I love it. <laughs> it's so much cool. fun. Dude, it's a blast. And, uh, well, yeah. So it looks like we'll be covering the same stuff, but yeah, uh, Skyrim VR with mods and some of the crazy shit you can do with mods. I'm going to be covering. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, what we like to do now, uh, a new little addition to the show is we like to just talk about what we're playing each week. Uh, keep you guys updated because sometimes we don't have time to make a dedicated video or a review to, to what we're playing. I think in Carrick's case, as well as my case, we both have dedicated videos who are, are which are already out or are incoming in my case. Um, Carrick, what have you been playing? Uh, finished up Kakarot. Um, that was, uh, it's hit and miss. There's some stuff. We'll have to talk about it once you post your video. Um, or whenever you want to, but talk about it now. Yeah. Got, got that up and, um, playing journey to the savage planet, which comes out, I think on the 28th. It's a, you, it's a weird looking co-op, no man's sky. You're on other planets kind of game. Uh, Tim, Tim, the one I was telling you guys about in the last podcast, Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm excited to check that out. This week, sort of, or this next two weeks, there's not a huge number of like titles out. Um, I've been trying to get a hold of the guys for Stranger's Wrath mm-hmm. uh, for the Ooh. Switch, and have had no zero, just 
no response uh, on that one. That so. was me with Kakarot. <laughs> I tried three people. <laughs> yeah, I saw you say that your normal ones didn't respond. Um, mm, it was yeah. weird. It was they were late for sure because mm-hmm. there was only three days lead time. I want I want to so. do make a quick shout out though. Dreamcast guy was hooking me up. He he offered me an, uh, an Xbox code. Um, this was, I think, Thursday. He offered it to me Thursday morning. They had sent him an extra code, and uh, he had oh, sent it my way. Nice which, yeah, really nice of him. I declined it because at that point I was like, "Look, man, just you know, if you're able to give it to a fan or something." Because yeah, right. Um, my GameStop was really. I already paid for it, and you know, did were, he see your tweets? Yeah, he saw. He saw my tweets. Like, hey, man, like that you know, really nice. I, yeah, I was really, really nice. Like, you know, go give him some love. It was, it was really cool of him to do that. Um, so you've just you've been playing those games. Yeah, and I do want to um, uh, uh, sort of online with this something I am dealing with right now th- that's not necessarily games, but I do want to talk about it. Um, I, I I did a PSA on my uh, Twitter for influencers, YouTubers to watch out with what you're clicking because somebody who's been on my channel a couple times, Joker Tech, he puts PCs together. He got his YouTube channel hacked. So when I started talking to him, I started joining up with a ton of other people and my DMs are full of people who've been hacked. And I, I, we both know that, you know, like you see the tweets about like my channel was stolen, they deleted it, but I got to admit it was coming in sporadically. But when I started talking to other people and started getting DMs, like I have like over 200 DMs from people currently with hacked channels. And one of the things I have to say that was awesome and should happen with game reviews, Dreamcast guy, and and all the people I've dealt with, all the people you've dealt with, do this already. But one of the things I said in my tweet was not only watch what you're doing, but I think it's time that, like, especially with YouTube drama, like, Dreamcast Guy's a reviewer. You're a reviewer. I'm a reviewer. Skill Up's a reviewer. Um, who, whatever other people, we still all talk and we'll help each other out with codes and stuff like that. But it's still a, a fairly small group of people that do that. And what I was saying in the tweets is just like, I think it's about time people turn the drama off and yeah. worry about what matters, which is like entire channels are being deleted. Cause like, who cares if you like a game, somebody else dislikes, if somebody's channels gone, I don't think any of us want that kind of censorship where like a, some company can come in and delete your channel. And mm-hmm. I just, I just was trying to throw it out there. It's like, I think now's the time where everybody comes together um, and sort of helps each other out. So it was a cool segue that Dreamcast guy was trying to help you out because, Good point. dude, yeah. these guys have lost channels for fucking two months. Two months, and no channel. Income? That's huge. 800,000 subscribers, gone. That's my channel right there. So gone. That's your channel right there, gone for at two months, and they still haven't fixed it. Um, but these other YouTubers came forward and were like, I will contact my CSR I deal with at YouTube, uh, which is what Total Biscuit did for me when I was being demonetized. And that's why I've always, if people have had issues, I'm like, okay, try this or try that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think it's important. And also big, you know, anybody who's watching our channels who wants to make videos, watch your shit, man. Cause they are looking, they are trying to make it appear like they are giving you game codes. That's the new thing. So they'll say, we've got a game we want you to check out, click this link um, and sign up on our page or whatever. But what it's doing is, it's stealing their credentials for Google, and because of how they're doing it, it skips two-factor auth- uh, authentication using SMS. Wow. It w- it won't work if you have Google Authenticator, mm-hmm. but they figured out a way around SMS. And so Joker didn't even know. He got the link, clicked it, no two-factor warning, no nothing, and he had full two uh, and the channel was hacked and has been deleted. So just just a word of warning. Watch what the fuck you're clicking Yeah, in, if you're a creator.
Sorry. No, no problem. That's Just want to get that out. Good there. awareness to be out there, or good awareness to have rather. Um, do be careful, folks. And uh, as always, check who's sending the email. Uh, that's a big no one. Shit. Yeah. Oh, because a lot of times, man, I, I've been seeing some really crafty ones, and I, I always, even if it's like confidential game code like it looks like official as shit i always click to see who sent it to me because i i've got yeah. some ones recently where i'm like oof you know if i a- wasn't if i wasn't a little paranoid gmail yeah where you're just like that gmail doesn't look right mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah if like you get a co- an email that's apparently from a company but someone's using like yahoo gmail or some site you've never heard of hell no <laughs> yeah hell no do not click um anyway I- i've just been playing uh Random games kind of anticipating Kakarot. I know a lot of people knew I was I was really looking forward to this game um, just because I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. And so I got about five hours in the game right now. Um, I was working on impressions for today as we record this video for early access. Um, I was working on impressions. I was telling Carrick. Uh, it, was, it was good to go. I recorded three and a half hours of the five I've played. And I was, I was pretty excited to share just some early impressions um, that's going to have to be delayed till Saturday. By the time this this video is public, everyone will have already seen it. But yeah, it was because pretty much uh, here's your here's a game reviewer's worst nightmare. Okay, you record a gigantic bulk file against any good advice. Like that's not what you're supposed to do. You should always just you split up your files. You know, one hour, one hour, one hour. Just always stop and start the recordings. It's just sometimes you get involved in the game. And you just don't want to get up. And that's what yeah, happened right. to me. I just wanted to get rolling. You know, the game stops a lot with cutscenes, which I liked. But, you know, you wanted to start playing the game. And so, um, yeah, I built up about three and a half hours of just you know, raw Kakarot footage. I'm like, yeah, perfect. I got everything I wanted to display when I script the video. And uh, it turns out it recorded in, uh, I don't know what the actual proper term is, but it was .ts, which is, uh, according to Sony Vegas, a no-no. Because usually what happens when you drag and drop a smaller .ts file into this program is it will just put the audio in. And then there's fixes that let you get just the video but no audio. It's really weird, but it's just not super compatible with the software. Um, And when you have a three and a half hour, almost 50 gigabyte file, Sony Vegas just craps itself. Um, so it couldn't yeah. import it. So I tried to go to After Effects for the first ever time and say, you know what? I'm going to try to learn real quick. All I need to do is just split some files. Couldn't even get that far, even though I knew how to do it. Uh, it just it was not clicking with my brain, I think partially because I was under pressure. So had to delay the video. But overall, when it comes to Kakarot, uh, that's been the main game I've been really playing this week. Uh, I've been enjoying it. Um, outside of that, I started Golden Sun on my Game Boy. That's how, like, I was just like, whatever, man. Like, Wow, just- that's a... Yeah, that's a unique one. Yeah, I, I had never played it. Um, over the summer, I got on this Game Boy Advance kick, and I was like, I really want to have one again. Um, and when I got it, something else came out. I think Dragon Quest Builders 2 came out, and so did Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and then Astral Chain. So, like, my attention continuously got dragged away, and, the you know, this busy season in the fall picked up. Um, so, yeah, I, I finally got a chance to start this game, and I'm, I'm really liking it. Uh, it's the perfect kind of offshoot game. You know, it's just kind of a fun throwback because I'm toying with an idea, uh, a video series idea for the channel this year. I, I don't want to talk about quite yet. I'll probably mention it on the Patreon or something. But um, it's it's one that would re- involve older older games. And I, I think it's something that could be successful. So we'll see. But uh, this is kind of the start of that. And also because I want to mm-hmm. experience this game. So, yeah, I, I haven't been playing a ton of different things. I've, I've just honestly been biding my time for Kakarot because that's kind of like the start of the year. You know, and for us, it's the first big launch. 
Um, after after that, it's just like you mentioned, some smaller games like Temtem and whatnot, and I'm not personally super interested in those games as it stands. So for me, Kakarot's like the, all right, this one's got to <laughs> gotta last. But You know what stresses sorry, me out? It, no, I was just going to say it stresses me out because, like you were saying, you didn't get a code, and um, I don't know if they responded and said you were and then didn't, but... Oh, it, no what, response, yeah, none. Okay, so in a weird way, I guess that's better, but one of the things that's rough is, like, especially now, because we are we don't have a ton of releases, it can really suck. Like you said, you were sort of waiting on something, and you're sitting there going, like, I'm ready... Even a no is better because, in fact, a no is is incredibly advantageous. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, versus no answer or what's been happening lately, which is like, yeah, you bet, no code, and then two weeks after the game comes out, I'll email back and just say something along the lines of, "Hey, we didn't, you know, meet up for this, blah blah blah," and they'll pretend like they never contacted me in the first place. You'd mm-hmm. be like. That's mm-hmm. so so interesting. So yeah, I mean, um, I'm glad I, you found some other stuff to play at least. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, it's not even like as a player thing. I just you know, it, the only time because my friends were asking me funny enough, they're like, "Did you you know, did you get a, a Kakarot code?" And I was just like, uh, "Well, I emailed three different people at this point, and I heard back from none of them." And they're like, "You know, does anyone ever just tell you no?" And I'm just like, "You know, guess a number." I said, "Guess a number of how many times I've just been told like no." Right. And they're like, what, like five times? I'm like, no, one single time, and it happened one... just last year. And Did it? Yeah, it was, it was Devil May Cry 5. Capcom was like, we can't give you a code. We, like, we don't have any codes left. And I was like, okay, because at that point, I just I can plan. You know, that's how I look at it. Yeah, like, I, for if sure. You don't, yep. I'm not entitled to a code. If you don't want to give me one because of either my channel or you don't think it would be beneficial, like, I don't care. It's fine. Um, for me, I just, I, and all creators, I should say, it's like a no goes a long way because now I can plan and be like, okay. Absolutely. So off, so do I play this immediately? Do I hop right in and then try to make a couple of videos? Do I just do review or impressions? And um, even, because here's the thing is even if like with Greedfall, having it the day before it came out and being able to stream it, I had a really like bang and stream being able to make a, a, a impressions video because I played it for like ten hours that same day, mm-hmm. that's huge, right? Because I have time to that even that one single day can be beneficial. So knowing is a big part of the battle. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it helps so much. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Like I said, I'm not owed anything, and certainly I don't think Kakarot would have been the biggest game to hit my channel. But I think as an RPG channel, it could vibe pretty well. So um, that's why the the answers are always appreciated. But I also. I don't want to sound like a dick. I don't expect anything. Like, I just, you know, ever since May of last year, I've only gotten one early access code. Uh, it was it was The Outer Worlds, unsurprisingly. Um, but but really outside of that, um, it's, been, it's been nigh impossible. So I've just kind of come to expect it. And if anyone grants me one, I'm super grateful and I make it worth their while because I think my channel performs well. But, yeah, anyway... Um, any other games you're playing, or shall we shift into the news? Um, nope, that's it. All right, cool. Then let's move on. We're going to talk about some game delays. There were a substantial amount of delays, all of them really big titles. I'm going to run down the list. We'll talk about our feelings for each of them. So it started off with Final Fantasy VII Remake announcing a one-month delay from March 3rd to April 10th. On top of that, Cyberpunk, because, you know, originally I should say that the, the, the concern was, okay, March is a little free, but now we have Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy on top of each other. 
Um, furthermore, Square Enix, I guess, was doing like a company-wide delay because they also delayed Avengers from May until September 4th, 2020. Um, and it seems like maybe they knew a little bit about what was happening with Cyberpunk. You'd at least imagine because um, Cyberpunk then got delayed shortly after um, from its April launch date to September 17th, 2020. So a substantial setback for that game. Uh, unsurprisingly so, quite honestly, uh, just be, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but you know, me and Karak had said on the podcast for a while that something about the second showing of the game seemed very A, guarded, unlike the first one, and B, uh, it didn't seem as impressive. It was still hype, but it, it didn't seem as impressive. Last delay was Iron Man VR was moved back to May 15th. So um, you got to imagine that was a little bit of planning on Marvel's part because originally Avengers was that May game. Now Iron Man VR uh, gets some space of its own. And, uh, you know, PSVR is, while it's not the best headset, it is the most popular VR headset. So uh, that game having some room to breathe actually is is very beneficial, I think, to that platform. So what do you think overall these delays, uh, any of them bummers to you at all? I know I think that's kind of a silly conversation to have, but I always like to ask... um, so what are your general thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you only get the one time to release the game. So mm-hmm. I think I I think with Cyberpunk, I'm totally fine with it. Iron Man got delayed, which does suck because uh, that was going to be, yeah, PSVR's sort of... Um, there was some special stuff supposedly going on with that game. I was, I was actually, or am still interested in covering it. Um, and then I think overall the only thing that we talked about a little bit was like when you see a one month delay does that mean something dramatically different than when you see a five month delay mm-hmm. which I, I i definitely think is a slightly different conversation i think with cyberpunk i was wondering how long ago they knew it was to be delayed if that makes sense mm-hmm. to me that it was sort it'd be sort of interesting to be a fly on the wall like was it two or three months ago we've talked about another game prior to this i'm not going to say it but there's another game where you knew that they wanted to delay it for a while, and then it finally gets announced. I wonder if that same thing happened here. Yeah, Do you maybe. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no, I know what you're talking about. I was just thinking okay. for a sec because I was I was wondering um, if there was any social media silence. I know they've been doing a, a ton of ARGs for Cyberpunk, but obviously when it comes to selling the, I think that's more of like a fan servicey thing. I don't think that sells the game to a mainstream market. I don't think that puts the game on a lot of people's maps. Like I said, as a fan, like, look, you're co- coming from the guy who was, like, all in on the Survivor 2299, like, absolutely, totally, 100% get the fun in ARGs. Um, but yeah, I don't think that, that helps market the game. So ultimately, yeah, there was no new trailers, uh, maybe a concept art or two. Um, but yeah, they were kind of quiet. But then again, I didn't think much on it because I feel like nowadays the thing is that these companies keep their heads down until about two months before there's not enough time to ask really important questions about games and just get the game out, right? Just like go full hype before anyone can go, but wait, what's that? And uh, the game's out before you know it. That's how I've kind of, I've noticed it. You know, they just up it, up the ante. Like, you know, you have a a features trail, like Ubisoft's kind of known for this, by the way, like a features trailer, a launch trailer, a cinematic trailer. Like it's like just trailer, trailer, trailer. Like tons of assets just drop in that last month. And uh, like I said, I think it leads to less questions being asked because there's not enough time to even get into touch with someone. That's at least what yeah. I expected with Cyberpunk. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I just 
it just seems like a long time. But I guess mm-hmm. it's also a good time frame. I did see somebody on uh, Twitter who said something like, I wish they had delayed it one more month. Then it would just be a next generation title. And I'm like, just wait a month. Like, yeah. To, to me, they're, they're being made for these I current that, systems yeah, and all that. I yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was a, a little bit of a weird comment, but to me, um, it it does free up Final Fantasy, which is not uh, it, well. I don't know how much overlap there's going to be some for sure. I don't know how much overlap between those two it was going to be, but it was going to be a busy month. So I was going to say, yeah, all the way I, even out if, there is good. Even if it's not an overlap for everyone, selfishly, I'd sit here and be like, there'd be an overlap in my time, <laughs> right? Right. When, when you got a huge game like Final Fantasy VII and a huge game like Cyberpunk, at least those games can breathe. Because I'm a big believer in like palate cleansing and stuff and like when you're just hopping from one gargantuan triple a monster to another and like they're two totally you know they're both rpgs but they're two totally different games i think sometimes it can be a little more i don't i don't feel like i have trouble with it but i feel like you can sometimes lose perspective or you can quickly compare because these are like the two big things at the moment Um, i feel like it's easy to lose focus in the conversation so i think ultimately it's good for gaming that these two are further apart now um Bad news for Avengers, though, however, because it's <laughs> it's only a week and a half before. Oh, shit. Yeah, the Avengers got delayed to September 4th, 2020, oh, uh, just a mere 13 dude. days before Cyberpunk. So, okay, hmm. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, I mean, at least 13, at least it's before. I actually think, so... Um, you know how a lot of people don't have the best impulse control anyway? Mm-hmm. I, I can see that helping them, uh, helping uh, Square with this delay because they're like, okay, well, we have 13 days to release this and drum up our own uh, excitement, get reviewers to review it before Cyberpunk. Right. So I guess it's better that it's before. And, you know, who knows? Cyberpunk may have looked at that and said, we don't want to smash Avengers. You know, I don't know if they would do that, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, it... It, that that's an interesting time frame. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I I feel like because people here's the thing is I will be the first to admit I I was at first like oh man March we we actually have a little bit of time to breathe now, but I think what we're gonna realize is given that it's the end of a console generation, uh, we're gonna have new systems that uh, while everyone's a little relieved now that we only know we got Cyberpunk and Avengers in September, that I think things will pick up and what you're going to start to see is just like this past year and years before, you're going to start to see there's going to be a big game between Avengers and, and Cyberpunk. You can bet on that. Mm-hmm. I got, got a really good feeling about that one. That's not like a, a, you know, a big brain call, right? Like that's, you know, I think it's pretty apparent. Um, there's just not a lull around that time. And especially when you're pushing new hardware, there's going to be True. tons of games. So, um, just like I, I, what I, I bring that up because I want people to save their money accordingly. Uh, it may look right now like the conversation has sort of shifted. Like time is free in April, and, and you know we can we can have just these two games in mm-hmm. September. But you don't know what will appeal to you in the beginning of October, even. So uh, yeah, just right. save your money accordingly. Um, all right. Any more thoughts on the game delays? No, I um, I'm sort of happy about it. Yeah. You know. You know, yeah, run. I don't like, think delays are bad. I, I used to get yeah. bummed out about them when I was younger, but like at this point, I just I view it as cool. More time for something else. I think there's so much good right. stuff going on in the industry that you know, for me, I look at it and go like, now I can know I can play Persona Five the Royal, right? Like I right. wanted to play it, um, but I was a little unsure because I you know I know it's adding a huge 
amount of new content to the game. You know, I've been covering it on the channel. But at the end of the day, I have played Persona 5 before, right? So, like, could I backburn that one? That was the original thought. Now that Cyberpunk's gone, and I was going to originally balance that with Final Fantasy, I can now confidently put in Persona 5 and be like, okay, cool. You know, we're going with that. Um, so, yeah, certainly I, I feel some relief in that. And now we move on to a topic selected by our bearded friend himself. ESL on Stadia, Carrick. You thought that this was a, a really exciting addition, a, a fitting addition. And um, I want to hear about it because I thought it was interesting that you seemed pretty positive on it. Not that everything Stadia should be negative, but um, I just want to get your perspective on it. Because for me, I saw it and I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I was like, cool. All right. Like, you know, I love ESL. Right. So like, sure, why not? But like, what to you, what's the big deal? Uh, well, I think so. I was talking about this a, c- a couple days ago that you know an MMO is already going to have your latency anyway because mm-hmm. you're talking to the server. So to me, having this particular game, which is still you know attack based, it's not like taskbar bullshit. Um, but you already know there's going to be the typical latency. The idea of that big of a game being on Stadia and not necessarily like Dragon Ball, let's say, where you're all, oh, God, here we go. There's going to be an input latency of 110 milliseconds or whatever. Right. I don't know. It just hit. And also, of course, their expansion they just talked about. So, right. We'll but it, it just, yeah, it just sort of hit me as like that kind of game I am absolutely okay with, especially because it, it technically wise, that fits better to me for some reason. Um, also, if I'm. I could be wrong on this, but I thought ESO is ESO still purchased or is it free? You can you can purchase it. Yeah, you're fine to purchase it. Like Tamriel Unlimited, yeah, you'll buy it. But the expansions you have to pay for as well. And there's ESO Plus, which is pretty much exactly what Fallout First was modeled after, except ESO Plus fits what the game does, and it's because you can buy it and just play it. It's not like bad, so to speak. Whoops, there goes a fork. Gotcha. So. So my question is, is there any subscription-only ESO package where you no. pay? There no. used to be. It used to be okay. buy the game for $60 and then pay 15 bucks a month. They got rid of that, uh, released Tamriel Unlimited, which is like you pay for it, like any game, you play it. And then the ESO Plus is like supplemental. You know, you kind of mm. like, and I, don't, I, don't, I know this is a horror, it's going to sound like a horrible comparison because Fallout First has such a bad reputation. But you know how Fallout First, for example, says like, you get um, X amount of atomic shop points or whatever it is, uh, atoms. Yeah, yeah, you get atoms. Same thing with, like, you get crowns in the ESO store, and you can buy cosmetics. So, like, same thing there. There's a couple of other things, like crafting goodies and everything. So uh, it's structured similar to that. It's subscription mm-hmm. service, but it's still buy and play. Yeah, I guess I guess with that weird way of the subscriptions, it may not be as, as cool as I thought. I don't know. I just think that those kind of games, for me, uh, make a little bit more sense because mm-hmm. the tech issues that we all face, it, there's a little bit less of one. And the idea of, let's say, me going uh, to an E3 and sitting in my hotel and saying, oh, I want to play ESO, but I don't have a PC, but I've got my Stadia, that to me is sort of cool. I sort, oh, yeah. of, I, I sort of like that idea um, just because it's already got the tech issues anyway. So... Mm-hmm. I would yeah, love to see know. ESO on Switch. I don't know if that's possible, but I would I would love that because after trying uh, DC Universe Online on Switch for about three hours, um, I really liked I it. I love that game. Yeah, it, it was fun. 
it was a lot of fun. I love how they like what what updates they add and how like much comic inspired material is really there. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see. But it made see... you think ESO would fit better, basically? No, not fit better. I think, I, I just think it would be really cool if it happened. I don't, because like you mentioned yeah. earlier, ESO isn't this very taskbar based game, or at least you yeah. can play it that way. Maybe that's not like the proficient way for those who play on PC. I totally understand. Um, but you can get away with that because it works well on consoles and it, it plays well as a, I, I put this in quotes, a single player experience. You can exactly. kind of get that exactly. questing. Um, and I, I think I think it would do extremely well because especially Bethesda puts that freaking game on sale, man, for some like stupid low prices. Like I've seen the the gold edition that had like every single expansion up to the Dark Brotherhood one. Um, this was a couple of years ago, but like every single expansion up till then, f- plus the base game for like fifteen dollars. And I was like, that's. Insane. That'd be perfect for Stadia. Like, imagine, you know, if, if they did something like that and were like mm-hmm. the Stadia version is, you know. But Stadia's only. pricing uh, with games has been, I know. yeah, less than desirable, apparently. It'll, it'll be twice that on sale even, yeah. unfortunately. Also, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the new ESO uh, expansion that's been uh, detailed via a special live stream. ZeniMax revealed that the Elder Scrolls Online Greymore will open up Western Skyrim as a new zone to explore for players, prom- promising a gothic main story questline centered around taking down a powerful vampire lord. In addition, Greymore will introduce a new gameplay system, Antiquities. Another 12-player trial, Kynes Igis, or Igis. I'm not sure which way it pronounces it. I say Igis, but I, I play Smite, so maybe it's different. Um, and a vast range of dungeons, quests, world events, delves, quality of life updates, and all other expected features of a new expansion to the ESO universe. Greymore won't be launching until May 18th on PC and June 2nd on console. But in the lead-up to its release, ZeniMax will be kicking off its new Skyrim-based adventures with the Elder Scrolls Online Harrowstorm Dungeon DLC pack this February, so just next month, which includes two new dungeons for players to explore. Uh, The studio also promised that 2020 will be a strong and exciting year for the Elder Scrolls Online with regular updates and content drops throughout the next 12 months to accompany Greymoor's release. Part of that includes a new physical and collector's edition for ESO for PC and consoles, which will hit stores when the expansion rolls out later this year. Uh, that information comes courtesy of GamesRadar.com. Um, yeah, so I like the sound of uh, more Skyrim, but I wonder, and I just, you know, I watch a little bit of Kev do it. I'm sure my channel, people who watch my channel are a little familiar with him because he's done so many, like, Fallout-based videos and whatnot. But I know he did a ton of Elder Scrolls Online content, too. Like, that was his kind of uprising. That was, like, his game. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember watching his video, and he mentioned how apparently people were saying ESO in 2019, like, wasn't very good. I don't know specifics, but I'm wondering if that's why Skyrim kind of became the, <laughs> the choice to... The choice? Yeah, to move back there. Uh, but still, it sounds great. Um, I really like the Dawnguard DLC for Skyrim, so... Uh, to me, anything vampire-related in the in the uh, Elder Scrolls universe kind of catches my interest a little easier. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm actually excited for the expansion. I uh, One of the questions I had, though, is when expansions come to ESO, and mm-hmm. I asked one of the players, but he didn't really... He didn't... I don't know if he doesn't know or if he was explaining it wrong. Um, can you walk to the new locations, or do you have to teleport, ride a horse, get in a carriage, get in a boat? I'm trying to think, because... It's been a while since I played a new expansion at launch. I was offered to play the 
latest one, not the latest one, one of the latest ones that had to do with the Khajiits. Um, forgetting the name of it elsewhere? now. Elsewhere? I think. Yeah, I think. Yes. I think it's elsewhere. Yeah, I was offered by Bethesda to play that. Uh, I politely declined telling them, you know, I want to, but I just didn't have the time to. Uh, fortunately, this year my, my schedule is freeing up a lot more, so I'll be able to do more reviews and stuff, which I'm looking forward to. But at the time, I was not able to. Um, and so, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. The last time I played an expansion at launch was the the Dark Brotherhood one. And I, I recall having to teleport, I believe, because you had to go to the Gold Coast. And that was like a whole new part of the world. It wasn't like, I guess, interconnected, like an open world. Like I had to get there somehow. And I think you had to open up like a world map or something. My memory's a little foggy because I'm sure I, I might even be wrong on the years. I think it's been three and a half years um, since I since I had played that because I think that was 2016. Um, but yeah, that that is that was a while ago. It was one of my favorite videos I made too, but I don't remember exactly how I got there. Mm, okay. Yeah, I wish I could be more help, Carrick. I apologize. No, no, that was it. I just wanted to know how it um, how it all fit. You know how those expansions fit together because like a, a WoW expansion, a lot of times. You know, it was like a new location, a new land. But I, I like them when they're organic like that. When you're I'm just, pretty you know, sure they're separate because they're often going to different parts of Tamriel. Like when you went con- to Morrowind. Continents, right? Yeah, like, yeah, when you went to Morrowind, you didn't just, like, walk there. You know, you had to hop right. on the boat, I think. I think that was actually the latest one I played. Yeah, so I think you have to, like, do something specific to get there. Mm. Um, it's not just, like, a boom, you're there. I, I thought the expansion, I looked at the expansion, I thought it looked good. Yeah, man. They, I mean, they they always do a really good job with that game since Tamriel Unlimited. I really haven't had any complaints. I know that I think it was someone in our Discord said that they played like the Clockwork City DLC or something like that. And I mean, that was one of their very first after Tamriel Unlimited. And they were like, "Man, that was all. it was Camelworks. That's who it was. Not one of the Discord patrons. It was Camelworks. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and he he said he was like it was really boring. Um, but he I think he said he started to end up liking it later on as he put more time into it. So teach their own. All right. Now we got to go on the other side of the spectrum, Carrick. We were a little too positive there. We got to talk about Smash. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I don't I, I I don't know even what's going on there. I just oh, saw you okay. got or your your Discord talking about it. Yeah, so let's discuss the newest addition to Smash Brothers Ultimate in the uh, the final fighter announced for the first fighter pass. There's a second fighter pass. It's going to be six new fighters next year. According to Sakurai, all six fighters have already been chosen. That means that, like, if a new character pops up in the middle of next year, highly doubtful that will be included in the game. Anyway, the newest addition to Smash is Byleth, who is the main character from Fire Emblem Three Houses. A lot of people, a lot of people threw a shitstorm for two reasons. Number one was apparently there was a promise made by Sakurai that, uh, or Sakurai, sorry, that, um there would only be third-party characters in this fighter pass. So everyone expected, like, new IP, new IP, and it lived up to that. You had Joker, you had Banjo-Kazooie, like, you know, you had Hero from Dragon Quest. You know, you had a a number of brand-new characters entering it from third parties. And so then when Byleth came in, a lot of people were, like, really, really ticked off because not only that, Smash does, I don't even want to call it have an issue, they just have a lot, a lot of Fire Emblem representation, like a lot. You have Roy, you have Marth, you have Lucina, you have Krom. You know, the list goes on. 
uh, Corin, and, and so on. So there's a ton of Fire Emblem representation, and there's a new Fire Emblem character, or as you've probably heard, a new, a new sword character. That's the thing, a new sword character. Same thing happened kind of with Hero, like, oh, he's, he's a sword character. Um, there's this thing about, like, for me, I like sword characters because I'm, I'm a Link main, so I'm like, yeah, please give me more. But um, a lot of people were really caught off guard with Byleth. I understand, but at the same time, I'm my perspective of this addition to the roster is that when we pull out, when we take a you know a top down look at the roster, when everything's said and done, and you look at every single uh, fighter that was included in this game, Byleth had to be there. He had to be there because this was the newest inclusion, one of Nintendo's most popular franchises. Um, insanely popular game. Like, I don't even... I, I don't play the game. I don't really follow many people who play the game, and it still somehow ends up on my timeline constantly and my subscription boxes. This, I mean, it's a great game. I want to play it. I like the Fire Emblem series, but I think when we take, like, a snapshot view of the roster when it's all said and done, Byleth is the right inclusion. I just think people had hopes that it'd be something else, and this does likely explain why the Smash reveal did not happen at the Game Awards because I think people would have really, really been tremendously upset if uh, this was like the big Smash reveal. Um, I think also Nintendo sort of hurt themselves in the sense of letting the rumors run rampant for far too long. That's always damaging no matter what situation goes on. And and part of that is in the consumer's control. You have to have self-control. But at the end of the day... um, yeah, it went on for a while, man. Like we people were speculating Dante, Sora, Dang and Rampa even. Like it was it was crazy. It was just all over the place. Um so now Carrick, with that information, I pass it off to you. How do you feel about the inclusion of Byleth? Do you think people are overreacting? Where do you stand on this uh situation? I mean, I'm ass- I'm assuming cuz it's like really popular right now. So that game, right? I mean, Fire, Fire Emblems. Emblem? Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, newer yeah. than a lot of the others. So yeah, it came to out me, in August. It sort of makes sense. Yeah, to me, it sort of makes sense um, that they would try to hinge on it. Yeah, I but, don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just the, you know, I haven't seen the direct quote, so that's why I'm putting it in quotes, but like the broken promise of a, it's going to be only third-party characters, and then they include Byleth. I can understand being frustrated with that because then those are misled expectations. You were what's told third-party to them mean? Not you know? Nintendo. Not Nintendo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by not and Nintendo, people... I mean, like, not, you know, that Mario, Zelda, you know, that, like, all the the flagship IP that, you know, Metroid that we, we've come to know from. Because no one has an issue with that. I think these types of announcements of characters um, are more exciting. They're more exciting to people, I think, when it's leading up to the game. Yeah, you know, right. To see what new Nintendo characters are going to be included. Third-party inclusion, I think, is more exciting as DLC because it's just a crapshoot. There's so yeah, many yeah. options. You know, they, they've included so much, and there still could be so much more. Um, but like I said, I stand by the fact that I think at the end of the day, we're going to look at the Nintendo family. I'm sorry, the, 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 the Smash Brothers family, you know, the whole roster of characters and go, wow. You know, I think that's what's going to happen because, like, Byleth just makes sense. It's going to be cool to have him there. Or her there, depending on which way you you pick it. Um, when when the, it, the game's completely done with its support, is Master Chief in it? No, no, that was my that was my guess. I was like, "Yo, give me Master Chief." <laughs> well, yeah, well, and because Microsoft just said something 
yesterday, I think. He, I, think he, I think he'll be added. I think that's an E3 yeah. thing, though. I definitely think that's an E3 thing. Yeah, because, like, Microsoft was like, oh, we're we're trying to work on something with Nintendo or whatever, and it would be it would blow people's... And admittedly, some people would be pissed, but it would blow people's mind if they were like, yeah, you know, here's a Microsoft, you know, character. Because it's not really giving up Halo to N- Nintendo. It's just adding in a little bit of, of coolness. Oh, dude, look, if you want to get people ready for Halo freaking Infinite and you want to, Yeah, like, put them in Smash. Put them in Smash, man. Like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I know they don't cross over, but, like, if you want to get, like, he's in Smash and, like, get that type of conversation going, like, yeah, Master Chief would do it, I think. I know Doom Marine was one that was uh, rumored for a long, long time. I think the mm. delay probably set that back a little bit. I imagine that... Um, He's probably, you know, maybe he wasn't ready to go, but that a lot of leaks pointed towards Doom Marine, um, which, you know, people were like, oh, that's not going to, that's not going to fit. He's too bloody. I'm just like, what's his face? Uh, I can't remember his name. Dragon character from Metroid. I don't know how it eludes me now, but he like stabs right through like I think Luigi's chest in the cinematic trailer. I'm just like, don't think Nintendo is afraid to get a little like edgy with their properties. Nah, either do I. Especially not on that game, which, yeah. I mean, it's just over the top anyway. I mean, yeah, for God's sakes, you have, like, Incineroar who, like, suplexes Jigglypuff into the ground and, like, crushes yeah. him. Like, it's it's ridiculous. So, I don't know. I, I don't really factor that in. You know, obviously, he's not going to be, like, blowing people up with shotguns and, like, stomping on necks. But, um, yeah, I think Doom would Doom Marine would be, like, a good inclusion, too. That was, that was Iconic. for a while. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, get some iconic characters in there. Like, he would make sense. I don't know if they do, like, BJ Blazkowicz. I'm surprised Bethesda has no inclusion whatsoever in Smash. Like, if they didn't do Vault Boy, the Dovahkiin, the Dovahkiin would, that would oh, be... Oh, I s- think, nah, dude, the Vault Boy. Come on. Yeah, Can I, you I mean, imagine? That. that guy fits perfectly in that game. Can you imagine him with his little strut? Yeah. Dude, oh, people shit the any he cartoon-wise. He fits. Anime, uh, color wise, all that kind of stuff, that character would be fucking hilarious in Smash. I think I would that would that. be a great inclusion. Yeah, I would love that. Trust me, I, that was I made a video. I think it was last year, um, and Bethesda said that they were like working with Nintendo on something, and they were asked about like a Smash roster uh, inclusion. He and Pete Hines said something kind of along the lines of like, could happen. So I know Bethesda's open be to cool. it. And I'm sure conversations have happened. But, I mean, at the same time, money's got to change hands for that, right? Like, you know, because it's pretty much free promotion putting your character in Smash. It's just, you know, people get to play as them as a fighting character. I would would love to see Dovahkiin or or Vault Boy. That would be neat. I'm I'm just surprised that with how popular Skyrim is, that that hasn't happened yet. I feel like that could be one of the very possible ones. Any Sony ones in there? Is Kratos isn't in there, obviously. No, no Crash, Sony ones. Crash Bandicoot? No Sony. Okay. Crash Bandicoot was a rumor, too. Crash was a rumor for a while. It, he'd fit, for sure. Can you, Like, the spin moves, all those guys, I think, would Crash be... Crash would be... Yeah, Crash would be... Yeah, they'd be awesome. As good of a fit, I think, as, like, Banjo-Kazooie. Like, it just kind of... You yeah. see it in the game already before it even happens. Spyro. Wait, yeah, that's do they have any one. characters? Just any characters fit? That's why like I think Spyro? they're going to literally do a third fighter's pass... Because there's just too many awesome characters that could be added to the game. And, yeah. I mean, I know Sakurai said, like, it's his mission to keep going with this game because of, um, 
Who's the gentleman from Nintendo who passed away? Miyamoto, I think. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't. No, 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 no. It wasn't Miyamoto. It was uh, uh, the main, the main dude, the main. Yeah. Dude, uh, why does his name I can't work? remember his name, but it was the main above. Yeah, even he said it was like his mission to him to like keep going with Ultimate. Like that's his project mm-hmm. to him. So um, I imagine they'll they'll continue support for as long as humanly possible, or until Sakurai is satisfied, which has to be a very empowering feeling <laughs> to control people's happiness. Essentially, <laughs> uh, the the medieval guy. I know you guys weren't in love with that game, but that would be cool. Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet characters would, make sense. would be yeah. cool. Ratchet and Clank. Daxter. Yep, yep. All those characters, a lot of them, them mascotty characters. Fit. Sly yeah, Cooper. Fit. I would like that a lot. Sly Is Cooper. Sonic in there? Yes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. They got they got a decent amount, but there's still there's still ways to go. So we'll see. All right. Number five uh, might be a little bit of a sad one, so do get comfortable, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk a little bit about the top ten. Best-selling games of the 2010s. I'm going to read them starting off at number 10. Minecraft, number 9. Black Ops 4, number 8. Call of Duty World War II, number 7. Red Dead Redemption 2, number 6. Call of Duty Ghosts, number 5. Black Ops 3, number 4. Modern Warfare 3, number 3. Black Ops 2, number 2. Black Ops 1, number 1, GTA 5. GTA 5 is your best-selling game of the 2010s. Wow. <laughs> How many? Oh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 of these on this list are Call of Duty. How incredible is that? <laughs> it just goes to show also that... Um... You know, people bitch about something, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean they won't turn around and get it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. insane, insane to have them hold that many spots. Just, I mean, it's stupid. It's like a monster. I know, and it, that's why I remember saying it on Twitter, and a ton of people came at me. I was just like, you know, anyone who says Call of Duty's dying is a fool. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, it sounds really douchey to say but come on (laughs) seriously i know i i think as a if you want to talk about like quality wise what you're getting like yeah modern warfare i don't think was very good and i haven't really outside of that like i think uh black ops 4 i really liked before that world war 2 you know like it's very spotty for me um but at the end of the day i don't think anyone can deny that this this franchise is here to stay it's not just going to, you know, because even on its worst, right? Like, even on its worst, you know, you don't see advanced warfare in here, right? Like, you know, there is like a, a, a reception to blowback, I'd say. What about ghosts? Is that on there? Six. Number six, yeah. What about infinite? Nope. Advanced and infinite aren't here. I'm surprised, I'm surprised Activision still uses Infinity Ward, quite honestly. Hmm. But yeah, man, they... Uh, as you can see, uh, Black Ops is a dominant series. People really like Treyarch, Modern Warfare 3. So Infinity Ward is there with that, as well as uh, Ghosts. Um, Sledgehammer cracked the list with World War II, which released in 2017. Uh, Black Ops 4 is in the top 10, despite it having um, 
Battle Royale, you'd think maybe that would shoot it up the list a little bit more. I'm surprised Minecraft's at number 10. Like, it got edged out by all of those Call of Duty games. Like, I thought that would be, like, a surefire number 8. Like, but World War II outsold Minecraft. And think of how long Minecraft's been around. Think of every system. Well, wait a minute. What was number 1? Number 1 was GTA Five. Oh, for some reason, I thought, okay, you were, yeah, you were reading them the other way. Okay, yeah. for some, I had them flipped, and I had Minecraft at number one on GTA 5. Yeah, GTA 5 makes sense, jeez. I mean, yeah, um, that, that doesn't surprise me, because anytime we read, like, weekly sales, <laughs> GTA yeah, 5 was dude, in there. Stupid, stupid. It's yeah, way, Minecraft, that's interesting. I would have thought Minecraft would have been higher, too. Yeah, like, way higher. At least a couple of spots higher. I think with Call of Duty, also, people will return to it even to say it's shitty, if that makes sense. A lot of people will buy it uh, because maybe they're spotty like you. Uh, Maybe every other or every third Mm -hmm. one they love. But that also indicates they'll try the other two just in case they love those. So they're still buying them, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it it makes total sense. Also, do these guys do sales? Do the Call of Duties go on sales? No, I mean, mean, do they go on sale very often? I don't or, not huge sales. I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. So, no. so that those are true purchases too, which is yeah. that's pretty crazy to me. That's very good. That's a really good point because it reminds me of Nintendo games. I was I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I was on like the eShop um and I was looking, I was like, man, you know, they had like a sale for Breath of like it was during like the end of the year where they were doing like end of the year sales, new year sales, whatever. Um and they had like Breath of the Wild, I think it like Forty dollars or something like that, and I'm just like, this game launched with your console. It had like an yeah, attachment right. rate of seventy percent, probably a little higher now. Like a lot of people have this, so why is it being sold at such like a prestigious price point? Like as if it's so unattainable. It's Nintendo does this a lot. Like Mario Kart Eight, I don't think you can get for below like forty fifty dollars. Like it, they their game prices stay high, and yeah, just like with Call of Duty, people buy them. You know, it's 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 wild. It's very surprising. Somehow they do the reverse, you know, and they do tell you there's the different ways to handle your your own image, you know, mm-hmm. like low cost or high cost, and like that's true. There's something about Nintendo where they're just like, yeah, it's forty because it's that good, and so you see it, <laughs> and, and it, it is weird, but it's like people look at it and go, okay, well, it must be because they never drop the price and they buy it, and. Mm-hmm. Nintendo walks away with a, a boatload of cash. That's, same, that's same apparently with Call that. of Duty. That's funny that you say that. It's crazy that people were talking about during the Wii U that they may, you know, go out of business and go bankrupt. <laughs> think of, think of how much money they sit on by selling everything at full price three years yeah. after the fact, almost. <laughs> yeah, I think there was Incredible. a Steam game a while ago that also um, a lot of Steam games will go on sale, and you hear that they did really well. There's a guy who released his into Torrent uh, on purpose for piracy and it did really well uh it sold better once he allowed it to be pirated um but then i remember there was another i think it was game of sutra was doing one where they were like some games that have never dropped in price on steam still sell because like people when they're looking for a 49 dollar game they see this older game and they think oh it's 49 bucks it must be worth something versus i'd be a liar if i said that didn't click in my head a couple of times i don't think i've made the purchase but i definitely thought like wow let's see why well, it's, why it's still priced there not only that but if only 10 percent of the games are priced there and 90 percent are elsewhere it's mm-hmm. harder to be seen in a list if there's 90 percent of other people competing against you but if you're at 10 percent maybe there and each one of those sales is worth four or five times 
the lower percentage. I can see some companies just being like, fuck it, we're not dropping it because every fifth person will buy it instead of every person or, you know, mm -hmm. five people and they make money out of it. It's just, it's, yeah, it's insane. It's, it, there's a lot of companies that do that too, that don't drop their prices. And yeah. well, in fact, GTA is widely known for a long time, just not dropping their price, mm -hmm. just being like, you're going to pay full price and you're going to like it. And people do. Yeah, man. I mean, to get like the old Pokemon games complete in box, like I think there was like a DS one, I think Soul Silver. If you want to get that complete in box on eBay, it's like $100 now. $150. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Oh, have, dude, I didn't Have you ever seen oh, how sorry. much uh, how much Earthbound is complete in box? 800, isn't it? It's like $1000. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Uh this just happened to me. We cleaned out my room that I used to podcast in. It had a bunch of Sega Saturn games, mm -hmm. and I put them in the donation box. And right before they got taken away, I was like, hey, we should probably check online to see what some of those games are worth. Fuck. I would have thrown like $4,500 away. Wow. Like, dude, we were looking them up and it was like 900 500 400 Because I have a ton of big popular games that I just put in a box. I like Because I kept them on purpose. As in, I knew they were already popular. And so I didn't want to get rid of them because I liked them. Mm -hmm. And then over time, they've just, and we were looking them up just going like, oh my God, some of these games go for It's a great feeling. I had a, a moment like that, not as a high price. I was trading a card with someone. When I bought this card, it was $7. And he was like, oh, you know, are, you, are you trading this? It was like a great ape card. And I was like, I had like, I have four. I was like, yeah, I only use three. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll trade that one. So what you do when you trade cards, you want to do value for value. So like we go ahead, we look it up. Once again, got this thing for like five, seven dollars. It was like thirty-five dollars now per card. And I was just like, I'm I've been playing with like a hundred dollars just sitting there in my deck. Right. And I'm I, just like, it's, it's so all right, card. Like yeah, it's ridiculous, man. It's like a great feeling when you're like, Yeah, I beat the system, bought it ahead of time <laughs> before the prices got up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you. All right. Anything else on the top ten selling games, my friend? Wait a minute. Skyrim's not on there. Yeah. And nothing wow. Nintendo-based Nintendo is on there either. It's a very sad list in the scheme of things, if I'm quite honest. So I'm assuming what's actually occurred is those top tens are so high that even a good, an amazing top ten like Skyrim, because let's be honest, dude, I don't know anybody who's got one version of Skyrim, if they've got any. As in, they've got one, then another... Then another, then another, then blah, blah, blah. It's certainly been around long enough since 2011, like right when... Right when the year, when that... Uh, it's got to be on the cusp. It's got to be like, it's got to be like in the 15 area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. God be. damn. That, that blows me away. Yeah. All right. We still got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about now. Let's look at the PC, which is reportedly, according to Jason Schreier of Kotaku, getting Horizon Zero Dawn. Now... A lot of the internet reacted to this. Correct me if I'm wrong. You'll you'll know because uh, I didn't have time to look it up right away. Um, didn't Sony say they were interested in releasing on other platforms within like the last three months? Uh, yeah, and since October because uh, MLB, Stranding. MLB, and Death Stranding, MLB in particular, uh, they yeah. announced last yes. october yes i remember like larry herb posting the thing with the show mm -hmm. with like a, a baseball so it means like yeah. the show is going to go multiply yeah and and you bet that like you know when you look at horizon you look at 
Spider-Man. Like, there's no shot. Like, Sony's like, yeah, let's put it on Switch. I don't think those games could handle it. And there's even further of a less shot that it goes on PlayStation. So it's like... Or you mean Microsoft. I'm, I'm, Microsoft, sorry. Xbox. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> We're not putting it on PlayStation. Um, so it's like PC was a no-brainer, right? And so when this report came out around the same time as the delay, everyone's like, oh, joy. I'm like, yeah, it's exciting. But, like, <laughs> kind of knew it was coming. Like, it was, it was news established weeks ago. Yeah, I wasn't too surprised. Um, maybe Horizon Zero Dawn, just because it's still considered such a big deal. Uh, it would have been a much bigger deal if they said God of War, Spider-Man, people be fucking on yeah. fire. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine me, those are inevitable. It makes sense, too, because Horizon Zero Dawn probably isn't selling incredibly well anymore. So you've got a system. Also, my firm belief is what they're going to do is be like, look at Horizon Zero Dawn, let's say August, and then suddenly be like, if you want to play Horizon Zero Dawn 2, buy a PS5. Oh, yeah. And, That's what I've been saying for a while. Yeah, yeah PS5 yeah. is going to have Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Yeah, the, just sell your, sell your IP to everybody, even if the next in that line is going to be restricted. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the number of people who already own 2 is very high. Sony knows that a lot of people split PS4 and PC. So to them, they get more eyes on that IP. And if people love it, I mean, I could see them just being like, hey, man, if you liked, P- if you liked uh, Zero Dawn, you know, Zero Dawn 2 is coming. Mm-hmm. But, you mm-hmm. know, you have to... And this is an older game. It's not really that... 2017. On, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not that on. Yeah, I wouldn't be remotely... Like, rem- you will... When I stream my reactions at E3 and they do... Or, or whenever PlayStation decides to announce the PlayStation 5 and they... Announce Horizon Zero Dawn 2. I promise you I will have a straight face because I will have known it's been coming for years. That has been my prediction for yeah. years. I've been like, yep, it's going to be this. It's gonna, this is going to be the launch game. That or Killzone, man. I feel like the Horizon makes way more sense. But, you know, Sony doesn't have any first-person shooters, so you got to consider that, I guess, a little bit. Or you just double-duty guerrilla games and have them do both. Yeah, bad. right. <laughs> yeah. And Guerrilla Games CEO became the CEO uh, became one of the leaders at Sony last week. Yeah, too. he took uh, Sean Sean Layden's. Did he take Layden's uh, spot? Yeah, he took his spot. So, I think his name's yeah that Holst. Yeah, yes, thank you. Yeah, and it, that to me feels like mo- many moves that we are, that uh, sort of to me all makes sense. All mm-hmm. the companies are making these moves to put everything in place, and the idea of Guerrilla Games is already one of their number one like you know development houses. So makes sense to put all this together. Yeah. So. Also, now you know that the main guy has a love for Killzone because he made the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So he's running That's Sony. True. It's like. It's not that surprising for him to be like, hey, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 needs money. Let's make sure it's got it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about getting funding for shit. Yeah. Pretty immediate impact if that was his move, but I, I imagine that was in place for a while. Um, mind you, these are just reports. It's coming from Jason Schreier, who is pretty accurate, so you know, we do trust most of what comes from him. But, um, yeah, it's only a matter of time, I imagine, before the official announcement from Sony that uh, this will be on your, on your PCs ready to play. And with that, we hop into patron questions, the best part of the show, where we just wind down and read the crazy stuff that you have to say. Let me bring it up on my phone, because as we continue with this new layout for our podcast, I cannot bring up the, the Discord here as we record. All right, here we go. Uh, let's begin with Isu Risu. 
After hearing about the recent news about Microsoft pulling off the best move in recent years by allowing gamers to play where they want um, and Sony testing the waters with Horizon Zero Dawn by bringing it to PC, I seem to come to a realization. Based on my retractions with, uh, or interactions with people online, I've come to understand that the people just want companies to be anti-consumer. Microsoft allowing gamers to play wherever they want in uh, the Microsoft ecosystem doesn't hurt them at all. It will only bring in more software sales. If Sony were to start releasing first-party exclusives on PC, say a year or so later after the game had already sold all it's really going to sell them, then I find it very hard to believe it would hurt them in the slightest to give those games a second life on PC. I seriously doubt that Bloodborne, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Spider-Man, Uncharted, and The Last of Us 1 is rolling in cash. People just seem to hate games. (laughs) What do you think of Isu's take? I would, I mean, they obviously sell exclusivity as being a big deal, but I do believe that they're seeing the writing on the wall too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I sort of agree. I think it'll take a while, a long while for them to sort of switch over. And I don't think it'll be everything like Microsoft, but I think it's also really dumb to assume um, that they're not going to try to leverage it in whatever way they possibly can. And services are a big deal and they've, um, especially Sony has been really behind Microsoft when it comes to services, mm-hmm. where they've been ahead of Microsoft when it comes to exclusives. So I can see them not wanting to do it, but to me, I do feel the same way that sometimes people just don't seem to like games. I, I, like, I, and I talked about this. I think a couple, people lose focus almost. Yeah, and a couple of weeks ago on your on your on the podcast, I was saying that like it felt like sometimes that if I if I watch people's reactions to reviews or games, where I'm just like, dude, do you really even like games? like at all or are you just are you just waiting for the next bit of of bad news so no i would agree with him that it it feels like that and they're all going to go that way in some way shape or form i mean even my nintendo's being drugged into online the way i look at it is if these companies can kind of break down these barriers and say like all right we're going to move on to pc or whatever like if they're not squabbling over that then then i don't think fan bases should be right like i think ultimately yeah right it's it's just about the game man and more places more places to play is is great man like i i i'm thrilled that you know because for me as someone who's very you know we run a podcast and a lot of my my videos are discussion focused or critique focused and so for me i love the discussion if more people can get in on the discussion i think that's very important um the amount of of people who i see in comments or or on the patron discord or on Twitter, go on like, I would be excited for this, but I'm only on PC. And, you know, it's starting to become more feasible that, you know, if you buy a PC, you're just getting the best of all worlds. Um, but there's still, like, that nuance to every system, right? Like, the Switch now has a little little bit of fun with Microsoft, so you might see more of that in the future. And you got the portability factor, so maybe, like, that's pretty good, where PC can run these games at insane frame rates. They look really good. So if you get Spider-Man PS4, which already looked great on a base PS4, Maybe now one thing that's gone or, you know how like it had those black borders kind uh-huh. of get rid of those full screen, that type of stuff. Love to see that. So I think uh, everyone wins in this situation. Um, I will say though, he, cause he brought up the part of like saying like people want companies to be anti-consumer. That's something that a couple people threw my way because I made a discussion video saying, and I, we talked about this on the podcast last week, um, how I thought Microsoft kind of hurt themselves a little bit by saying, like, you know, you don't really need to essentially buy the Series X day and date. You know, you can just go ahead and stay within the ecosystem. We want to make sure people who recently invested 
um, are benefiting from said investment, which is very good. Like I said, like in my video, I said this, it's very good for the consumer. Um, but I don't think Microsoft has is successfully going to entice people to buy into their new console by saying, hey, you can play Halo Infinite Fable 4 on your Xbox One. You know, I just don't think simply through generation leaps that entices you to say, I'm going to pull 500 bucks out. Now, does it entice you to say, I'll pay 28 bucks a month for this console? Different story. But uh, it's just funny he brought that up because uh, a lot of people have reacted <laughs> that way yeah and i i think also um if it was only consoles then it, it probably hurts them even more but because there are so many different types of service especially microsoft who has like the ultimate plan and the normal plan and the old normal ultimate and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it, it like you just don't quite know how people are going and what people are also accustomed to what where people are going with things and i do know a lot of people would probably rather spend a certain amount of money and be able to play everything like a PC, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think Sony also will ever go that route. What I do think, at least not now, when technology gets to the point to where people are streaming more, maybe I do see no issue with Sony saying in three years from now, we're going to release the top tier games that came out day one with the PlayStation. That doesn't make any sense to hold It'll be out back. over time. It probably been business wise benefits yeah. them to just delay it a little bit, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and also removes port worries and all that shit because one of the things that I brought up about Horizon Zero Dawn in particular is that it was pushing the PS4 to the breaking point. And if you look at Steam surveys, the top video card at that time was only a 970 at PCs. Mm -hmm. So I am not sure that a 970 and a normal person's PC, not yours, not mine, a normal person's PC would have really delivered... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn at 1,000 times a better look. Interesting. Stuff. Now, though, now, though, we've jumped up an entire generation. 1060s are the normal and 1070s. And now you can deliver a Horizon Zero Dawn looking much better on PC. Mm -hmm. You're like, and so Good to point. me, it makes perfect sense to say, hey, you know what? We're going to push this console for this particular amount of time. Then when PC tech and in the generalized PC tech, because you always see this, dude. You'll see people be like, well, PC could run at 150 frames per second. Sure, if you had a video card and if you had a CPU that can do that. But if you look at the averages, people don't have those things. So to me, this makes sense. Be like, we're going to hold it back two, three years down the road. Maybe we'll port it. So, kind of the yeah. rock star approach. You know, think of how they've yep. done GTA, how they did yep. Red Dead. Give it some time, release it a year later double your your money you know you're gonna get double dippers and then like you said the the tech kind of catches up at least a little bit more probably the odds yeah at least are a little favor. bit more yeah so yeah, yeah definitely because people have time to prepare i've had friends plenty of times go i'm buying this part for this this game very much so very much so yeah and a lot of gpus carry the games mm -hmm. now you'll see a gpu it'll be like for 400 dollars, get this gpu and we're gonna give you three games or whatever and to a lot of people <laughs> that can that can That's huge pay yeah. off too yeah. And they're like current games. That's always the surprising factor. They're like, yeah, I know. You can, get, you can get. I remember when I bought mine. This is how long ago it was. Um, when I bought my first PC, they were like, you know, with your with your graphics card, you get Just Cause Two for free. I was like, okay. Oh, speaking of that, one of the things I asked in our podcast, we were trying to figure out if AMD and Nvidia are releasing new video cards this year because I could see Cyberpunk saying, you know what, we're gonna wait. The new video cards will hit. Like, will you buy an MSI 
20 or whatever the new one is 3080 and suddenly it's got cyberpunk in it because mm -hmm. like you know like we have no dude yeah we have no clue like what um what some of this stuff will have because those pack-ins for a lot of video cards are brand new like yeah. you said the games are not always but there are some that are brand new which i remember pretty, with watchdogs there was one like pretty close to its release date that was like hey you buy this and you get watchdogs and i was dude, like that's, wow it's like yeah not a bad by. deal yeah not a bad deal all right, Grimberlade's got a couple of questions for us. He says, I listened to a recent interview with Hugo Martin, executive producer on Doom Eternal, and I thought it was interesting that the, uh, the things they prioritized in making the game. He specifically mentioned that they went back and watched all of the negative and middling reviews of Doom 2016 for feedback on what they could do. The issues he mentioned had a lot of overlap with things that Maddie mentioned as negatives in his reviews, such as repetitive third act, nothing to do in between battle arenas, etc. Wow, okay, that definitely gets me a little more excited about Doom because I know about it. I have two questions based on this setup. One, what improvements do you want to see in Doom Eternal from 2016? And two, what would it take for uh, what would it take for you to see? Oh, I'm sorry, us. I think he, there's a typo. What would it take for us to see more developers outwardly addressing flaws in their games like this? One more question: What would it take, or rather, how long until console manufacturers embrace modding at a systemic level? Basically, when will they provide Core.API to help devs implement modding? I think this could be a real game-changing feature if implemented in next-gen consoles, perhaps halfway through the generation. So let's begin with question one. What improvements do we want to see in Doom Eternal from 2016? Fuck, I don't remember any. Oh, I didn't like the handgun in that game. I remember that. <laughs> um, I don't remember <laughs> anything about Doom 16 where, like, I would consider it a huge weakness. Um hmm. I, it's been a long dude. Well, there you go. It's been four years. Um, right. Man, dude, I don't. I don't remember. Not that it didn't have any. I'm just saying I never returned to it. So I, I didn't even return to the VR. I played the VR version for a little bit. Um, Yeah. Uh, I would still like... Well, no. I won't even add that because that'd be stupid. Um, Yeah, I can't remember any negatives that like... That's good. I mean... You said there was something. I don't even remember the end um, being a little bit repetitive. So, like, if they if they fix for that, for me, that'd be great. it was um, the ending stretched on a little too long. I think the third act went on a little too long. I think the game could have wrapped up quicker because we had this talk before many times. In fact, to the point where our audience is probably going to be like, <laughs> but um, we talked about how I thought the game went on a little too long. You thought it was at just the right length. And then you had a patron who was like, it was too short. And it was kind of an interesting oh, conversation. I, I about remember that. How yeah. you kind of go, you approach the game. Um, and, and difficulty comes into a factor there, of course. Because you asked mm. me, like, hey, was it too hard? And I was like, no, it was solid. Um, yeah, for me, I think the third act went on a little too long. Um, I think it was a little, and we talked about this with Medieval last week, I think it was a little too true to its old school roots in the sense of in between battles, it was just like there was no exploration, uh, it re relied a little too much on like being excited about cl collecting armor, um, and like yeah, little right. like doom dolls and stuff, I think they had to add a little in between, and with the world being much more expansive in Eternal, I imagine inherently in the design of that type of game, you have to realize like, okay... We have to have point A to point B stuff. And I'm not like Mr. I always got to be doing things. I like my moments of just calmness, especially in a in a game like Doom. 
in Rage 2, you know, people really don't like that. And I don't I don't know if they think on the other side what it's like when it's like, go, go, go. Because then you get Far Cry 5, you get Far Cry New Dawn, yeah, where right. everything's so far up your ass, it's coming out your mouth. And I just, I personally uh, get sick of that. So I don't know how I feel about nothing to do entirely between battle arenas. If there's more exploration where you're discovering lore, and then, you, you know, they pace it out with different things like that, lore, collectibles upgrades um those tinkering with your equipment that type of stuff yeah that's that's a little more exciting um question two then is what would it take for us to see more developers outwardly addressing flaws in their game like this i'm gonna this is just me this is gonna sound really like perturbed i do not require somebody to tell me that their stuff sucks and I think that that to me is really not, they can think that behind the scenes and they can see weaknesses, but I do not need them to placate themselves and be like, I'm so sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my game is not great. So I don't want that necessarily because I also do believe that Grim is open to somebody saying their game has blah, blah, blah issue. The internet the unthinking, unscrupulous internet is not that way. And I could see them being attacked and people being like, well, if you already knew there was an issue, you should have charged $40 and not see, you know, that would happen. So to me, I don't necessarily require it. Um, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't, and I'm, we've talked about this. Every developer I know, everyone other than Disco Elysium, who stated very clearly that they don't, every other developer I know watches reviews and does take notes every single one they watch streams every vermintide those guys were watching live when every streamer that they gave the code to went live and had somebody sitting there you know watching different streamers and going what are they what what are they like what do they dislike but i don't require them to tell me so i personally think it's already happening yeah i mean i kind of thought it was a safe assumption i think it's just the um, the addressing of it, like openly talking, openly discussing it, and I, I kind of get that because you know it's like almost a a look behind the curtains. I, I kind of view it as like you know when you learn a little bit about. Um, it's gonna sound a little off the walls, but I'll explain in a second. When you like you have a wrestler, right? Like a wrestler in like the WWE or AEW or whatever, and they're a character, and you sort of peek behind the curtains and and you learn, you know, behind in this case the business speak the. Our product is great. Here's why you should buy it. You learn, you look behind the curtains and you learn a little bit about um, what they really feel, how they approach development, because I think those types of conversations are important. Like you said, I agree. You don't need to go on stage and and, uh, just be like, oh, I'm sorry, it's bad. Um, But I think having a discussion about it is good for people who want to develop games and also people like us who critique games to see how developers go through their creative process where they have like an idea in the pipeline they think is good and when it comes out and it's in the hands of the public how do you respond to it not being as good do you wait to the next game do you patch it how do you identify when something's like alert 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 like you know code red or okay we can just we can we can chill you know this is something we'll work on for the next game you know this is a baked in flaw um i think those conversations are important i would certainly like to hear more of that because um i think it's good for all parties um, and I'm sure even uh, even in the case of the developer, it probably feels a little good to address that. You know, like you know, at that point, it's almost like a, a burden if someone's constantly like 
hitting you over the head with like how annoying X mechanic is to kind of just converse what that means. And I uh, think how you though feel. that I think I get it on Twitter all the time where I see developers talk and then GDC purposely has the postmortems every year. So I, it's like, do they need to pick a special platform so that I, I, I mean, think it depends what I, I they're think... already doing it. I think of yeah exactly like I think of the uh, the bug story that was so uh, shared yeah, on the Twitter tweet, for that the was awesome. worlds yeah like a huge thread about how you can stomp out a bug and how unpredictable to like the finest that was a fun thing, thing too. Yeah, yeah right like it, how crazy it can get I think those types of insights are great because if there's one thing the games industry really fails at it's like there's just this clear wall like I couldn't tell you. You know, for example, when I was talking earlier in the very beginning of the show about getting game review codes, I wasn't complaining, but like, I don't know what's going on in that studio. Is it chaos? Is someone just chilling with their feet up on their desk because it's like, you know, right. the, the developers are just crunching down and, you know, I have all emails been answered. Like, what is it like? I don't know. And that's the thing is I would like to know more. You know, we see like documentaries now more often uh, developers talking specifically about mechanics and the creation of the game. And certain emotions, but when it comes to actually like that, the final hours, like what is is that like? You know, uh, I, I would appreciate more conversations like that. I think until whatever time happens where those, you know, or whatever platform, people should definitely should check out GDC mm-hmm. um, because they have their YouTube channel and there's an insanity there. I also wonder, not saying this is for sure. But I do wonder how many times they don't want to say anything because their PR people are the True. ones who are the face of everything. And they're like, listen, if you say this bug exists and anywhere on the Internet another developer says, I don't know about that bug, people will take both and say, you lied. We want we're class action suing you or whatever um, the the bag of of destruction that Fallout had where it's like some people had to have known that bag wasn't going to be a real bag. It was going to be whatever you guys got, the plastic bag, oh, you know, oh, versus oh, the oh, nylon oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and some people actually blurted out that it's like, yeah, we knew. And then, like, you guys were looking at stores, and I, I can't remember how it was, but there mm-hmm. was a ton of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm wondering if a lot of it's just also worried about that, where it's yeah, just like we want one fair. person to lead it until a GDC when then the tech person a year later can admitted i think those twitter things are awesome mm-hmm. but i also noticed on the twitter thing maddie that a lot of times it was very old games or people who didn't work at the companies anymore i was looking at that list and i think a lot of times they were like okay i don't work at activision anymore right or whatever mm-hmm. now outer worlds those guys it's obsidian there there's a different thing there but um yeah. i think a lot of people i saw responding were like i remember in in isol- alien isolation and you're like well that game was five years ago it wasn't like it wasn't like they were saying in Red Dead Two we can't get the launcher working because can you imagine? Yeah, I was the ju- PR yeah. the lawyers for Rockstar would be like, "Come here right now." Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, like, that's a good. That's a very good point. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that in the case like if a Fallout seventy six developer was like, you know, here's this bug stomping yeah. story, people were like, "You don't say." Like, okay, tell me more, dude. Yeah, how so, many videos would be out? I think, yeah, you know? I think that I think the conversation spawns from a place of confidence, a place of yeah, like, right. I know my stuff was quality, so I can talk about this shortcoming. Yeah, that's the other thing, and and that's why it's a little annoying, but I I kind of get it too. 
Grimblade said one more question. What would it take, or rather, how long until console manufacturers embrace modding at a systemic level? Never. You don't think ever? I, I, no. I feel like it's a pipe dream, but no. I would like to see it happen. The reason why it won't, Microsoft's been pretty clear that they're going to do as much as they can, especially with the X-Series and moving forward. They've added it to a couple games, but the reason why is because um, they're worried about piracy. Mm-hmm. Remember that the original Xbox was hacked only because a James Bond save game had seven extra kilobytes of empty data a hacker was able to use. That was it. That's how That's the entire crazy. system was what? hacked. Yeah. What? Yeah, so there was seven extra kilobytes on, in, a, in a James Bond save game. A hacker found that out by using a game shark and by injecting five kilobytes of, of data to crash the kernel by putting like an unfigureoutable math. It rebooted, and when it rebooted, the kernel was unsecure for a brief second, which is what allowed them to see inside and then hack the original Xbox. Oh, and do you know how you can do it now? You can literally buy a USB for five bucks, plug it into the Xbox One, buy James Bond, put it in there. It has a save game, load the save game, and not only will it crash it on purpose, that USB has the entire hacked OS on it and will install it for you. So it takes like six seconds. So what does the hack do at that point? Do you have every game? Like what? what every happened? game, every everything unlocks all the tech specs. You can run it at the higher res, ignoring the lower res. You can add hard drives. You can, yeah. And um, where did you hear so about that? I was involved in it. Like that was back oh. when I was I had an original Xbox. So like I was like reading the news when it was happening and and finding out about it. Wow. Like the three three sixty was the exact same thing with King Kong. Somebody figured out wow. how to hack a 360 using King Kong. So I think what goes on is they're, what they're worried about is a, a low-level mod somehow crashing um, the game itself. And that's why I think they won't allow it. I think they'll always have the top-tier mods. And that's why you see like a lot of games where they talk about mods. It's like there's certain things you can't do. For example, the Xbox, you can't install SKSE. You know what that is, the mm-hmm. whatever, that ver- the, the extra instructions. The and you center, can't, yeah. right, thank you. And you can't because there are particular things that Xbox probably is nervous about and, mm-hmm. um, and doesn't want to have happen. So, I mean, look at the jailbroken PS4s. Like, it's insanity. You literally, all you have to have is a PS4 with a certain frame or, or certain frame data. You change the IP address for where it should go and it goes to a hacked website you push a button and it fucking it hacks your ps4 that's how easy it is and so i think these companies also to be honest um if you put the mod in the hands of a third party and then they go out of business you have no clue what's happening after that too hmm. so i i think there's some worries about like what would happen a year or two or three years later if like your obsidian went out of business but they had mods in a certain game could somebody use those to get in? Okay. You know? Okay. Just guessing. No, that makes it sense. It all though. sort of plays out. Interesting. That James Bond story is fascinating. That's crazy. Dude, yeah, the original hack on the Xbox was insanity. So was the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. where the Dreamcast, they forgot to put in the piracy layer. So it just required that's you just... to put a CD in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I love Sega, but even I was like, damn, son, you yeah. just... Do you know what they did? They hinged on a very particular hardware CD mm-hmm. burner and assumed the consumer would not be able to buy it. And then CDI, I believe, was a company, started selling it. Oh, my gosh. And so a person was just like, put it in, 
burn a particular thing and the game just works on the oh dude it was yeah so funny this were ridiculous to live through all right we got a number of questions from great ape 51 fitting name for the the week of kakarot with Fallout 76's main method of monetization being the Atomic Store, do you think it could be included in a service slash subscription? PS Plus games with gold, Game Pass, PS Now. The month Wastelanders comes out to lure more people into the game or giving it a chance? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's beneficial for anyone to partner with Fallout 76 right now. I don't even think they've, they've done that. Is your mic meter right now? Yeah, your mic's meter right now. <laughs> I was trying to stop the dog <laughs> from barking. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, no, you're absolutely right. I was just going to say, if it, if it was a better game, Microsoft, I could absolutely see um, adding it, uh, you know, in some, trying to do something. For like but a I time right. offer yeah. at E3. I don't think it would be something they'd just announce. Well, here's the thing, actually, Great Ape. It's, it's funny you mentioned this because just a couple of weeks or months ago, uh, Sony did partner with Bethesda and do a free weekend on PlayStation for Fallout 76. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it coincided with anything like the raids or anything. Um, but yeah, that that is something that's happened before. I don't think you'll see a bundle with a subscription service, though. I think I don't think it adds particular value. And I think the idea behind those would be it would almost confuse the the consumer and i'm not saying that in like an assume they're dumb way but i i just feel like adding for one month let's put in some some atoms for fallout 76 a i don't think a lot of people you know have fallout 76 right <laughs> um but b like wouldn't it make more sense for sony to expand on other offerings in ps plus i think it would beg that question and then wouldn't they just want to look at their own products and be like well couldn't we offer fans like trying to think like the last of us has good multiplayer i know the server shut down i think it was just for ps3 but um couldn't they offer something currency wise for the last of us or uncharted four or a three multiplayer you know that type of stuff i don't know why they would just go for 76 directly obviously if bethesda's paying maybe that you know perks their ears up a little bit but ultimately uh, i don't think it benefits them i have a question for you what's up am i going Am I losing my mind, or did Bethesda or somebody at Bethesda have an event either in the last four or five years where they had, had, where they hinted they were doing their own service? They have Bethesda Net right now. Maybe that's all I'm thinking. And then they did the Orion announcement. That's what it was. Year. Yeah. Yeah, what was Orion? Remind me what that it was. It was, I think they were, it was like a new engine or a new tech for game okay. development. It okay. was a really strange pitch for the audience. Like, it seemed interesting. That's what I thought. But it was just, like, very tech-based, I think, yeah, was very, it? Very, like, yeah. very towards a specific audience. I think it was more like a Bethesda getting into the tech business, quite honestly. Gotcha. And like, trying to create something that they could sell out to developers to use. Okay. Um, okay. Number two, have you guys tried a game bounced off it, and then later went back to try it and really enjoyed the experience. Fallout 3. Yep, I was going to say Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. That's the first one that comes to mind every time. So happy I did, by the way. Yeah, nothing else really sticks in my head quite like that, where I was just like, wow, 
He said he's currently doing this with The Witcher 2. Oftentimes, these types of games, slow starts mm. or not immediately familiar gameplay right. mechanics tend to give me deeper, more rewarding experiences. That's funny. Witcher 2 clicked for me immediately. Oh, did it? So, mm-hmm. Witcher, um, I, uh, Abzi, the guy we were talking about having on the podcast, he uh, is doing a, a video on The Witcher games, and he was discussing should you play 1 and 2 before 3. And so he was playing one and two and it's funny because he was he was having the same issue when i was watching his comments to me in discord where like the first couple days he was like i'm not feeling um and then went and did like divinity or something for a little while and then came back and was like okay now i'm feeling it for some reason and that was also witcher 2 uh so that's interesting witcher 2 Hmm. was a third it was witcher 1 was top down rts or more zoomed out right it had more tactics didn't it witcher one i God, never it's played the first witcher. i never okay. played the first witcher witcher two was normal right it just witcher two was a little more action yeah a little more action yeah yeah three was more of the combination of tactics and action uh but but i think two leaned more on the side of uh just action if he's played three and goes back to two i could see two bouncing you though yeah, 100%. if you do, you see what I'm saying. If you yeah. played, yeah, if you played three and you go back, it'd be like Fallout three to Fallout two or something. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, whoa, totally like different this. worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think I can think of any other games outside of Fallout three. Um, last question from Great Ape is: With the next gen consoles coming later this year, am I just naive or dumb that I expect more or most, if not all, games just to offer free next gen patches? if the games in question get them, instead of having to rebuy next-gen versions. Example, I buy The Last of Us Part Two on PS4, and when PS5 comes out, it gets a graphical enhancement, which is free, since I already own the game. Granted, for people who don't own the game, I could see Sony or other publishers offering next-gen versions to help fill out their initial library. This process, uh, this has been a process with the Pro and X versions of games. Why would that change moving forward? I don't think it will change, right? I, I would imagine there would be a well, patch the X is, at least. They'll be... Yeah, they'll be free for the X because they're forward-compatible games. They're not requiring you to, to buy anything. So, mm-hmm. And I think Sony has said they only have two exclusives right now, um, so some will be cross. Yeah, I think it'll continue. He means charge, though. Oh, oh he's saying, like, so, like, Pretty no, I don't think you'll have to buy PS, another one. If you buy a PS4 version you play on your PS5, you're playing the PS4 version. But if you... Buy the PS4 version, you play it on the PS5, it should patch in yeah. enhancements that take advantage as much as possible of the PS5. Just like Final Fantasy, the last one, with the four, with the 41 gigabyte 4K resolution yeah. Uh, textures. Yeah, that'll for sure happen. And it makes yeah. sense, because, dude, you and I played... Um, uh, look at game sizes. Uh, 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 Call of Duty. Holy fuck. Oh. Man, you might as well just buy a server farm somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, that game is... When you look at it, you're like, why is this game so fucking big? So I could see console manufacturers in particular just being smart and saying, you know, you, if you buy it for whatever system, you're going to get whatever on it. But, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't think anybody knows the answer really until we get into this and see right. how everybody's delivering stuff. Staying on the topic of next-gen consoles, Tropical Ice Cow asks us, after last <laughs> week's discussion... I know, some of these names... Just That's a unique name, yeah. <laughs> after le- at last week's discussion about the next-gen consoles, I agree that the names won't be a problem. However, that in regards to gamers. Um, 
How do you think the names will go for people who don't know about gaming or buying us a gift? I think we actually included that in our conversation. PS4 to PS5 is a lot easier to interpret, and Sony would be crazy to change that now. But imagine opening a present next Christmas hoping for a Series X, and it's a 1X. I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> this is a $500 console. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think we, we did. Um, one of the things people forgot was that the hardcore buys early, so the hardcore probably won't have an issue. And by that point, then, as we move on, you'll have, you know, Christmas, I think, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that It all depends on the marketing, on how Microsoft does it. But I, yeah. I, um, I still firmly do believe, dude, that when we get to E3, they're going to call it the Xbox X-Series Scarlet or something. I firmly yeah, do believe. they're going to have a little name. Yeah, a code name. Yeah. Because, yeah. dude, I have the Scorpio. I don't know if you do. No, you don't have, you have an Xbox original, right? Uh, the, the S. Or yeah, the yeah, I have the S. I have the S. The Gears I have of the, War S. I have the X, and is it this controller? One of my controllers and the X say Scorpio on it. Hmm. So legitimately the Scorpio version, the code name Xbox X. So I would assume we'll get us, you know, this is the Scarlet or yeah. something like that. I just which feel it has to be a little more separate. We talked about it a lot yeah. last week, but I, yeah. I think it does have to be a little more separate. Aunt Jemima has three questions for us, and then we have one from Ben Jam to wrap it all up. What's one game that really sounds... Well, this is pretty funny. What's a game that sounds really awful or stupid on paper that you really enjoy? Oh, fuck. There's so many. Um, sounds a... stupid. Dang on, Rampa. In a description. Yeah. For, uh, it, in a description. That's... that's a cop-out, though. Let's see here. Yeah, any, like, JRPG persona. That sounds so stupid on paper. High school kid gets power to summon gods and you can live a normal day-to-day school life while going in dungeons <laughs> sounds awful but works really well oh man how do you how do you pitch those ideas mario and rabbits holy shit yeah That's mario more, versus rabbits is one that i and and it's like hey xcom but instead you hear that shooting, they're uh, it's all about apparently me. doing a sequel no but if they don't i'd be really mad i think a sequel yeah. of that game is absolutely required that yeah. game is a, honestly, I would come very close to saying that game is one of this generation's true classics. Like I, I agree, that I we'll agree. It would be on the top classic. ten list for me. It's, yeah, it's so good. And like overall list, absolutely, it's too good. Yeah, you have any other any games that come to mind? Rather? No, because I was gonna say Sims, but that's not at all. When you read what it is, you're just like, okay, it's Sims. Um, and I play some goofy games, but I think JRPGs are probably going to be where the answer is because mm-hmm. they they have the weird stuff the that you, uh, United States character or, or characters, United States players or UK players look at and go, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. You know, Japanese players are like, "Yeah, that's normal." But you know what's dark, weird? I talked to like, hey, let's make just nut crunching difficulty. <laughs> no and, shit. And when that first came out, <laughs> uh, I was talking to two gamers from Japan. Uh, she is full Japanese and has lived her all, all her life. And the uh, the guy's lived there since he was like 18. He's 30 now. And um, she was saying what was strange to her is they look at American and UK games and do not respond with strangeness like we do with Japanese games. And I found that incredibly interesting. I thought they would look at Witcher 3 and go, why do I want to be a fucking old white guy? You mm-hmm. know, with or, or mm-hmm. why do I, or whatever. And um, she was saying that most gamers there are just like, well, that's a UK, United, it, it, it's the weirdness seems to be in Japan. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. as in, she's like, yeah, it is weird. And she's a native and was like, it is, fu- 
it is weird. Mm-hmm. But then when they look outside at our games, mate, they they're not as. Uh, do you it's know what? Like uh, a who are we to judge? Kind of thing. <laughs> it might be. It might. Yeah. Where it's just throw shade. But what was weird is she told me the weirdest game for her uh, was uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Hmm. Can you believe that? And I was like, well, why? Because it's 2D. You guys mastered two. Not you guys, but Japanese 2D platformers were huge. Um, she had some. She said something about the art style and the character. But she was like, hmm. when it was first announced and shown, a lot of her friends were like, "What the fuck is this?" Wow. It didn't continue that way, but... Oh, yeah, Cuphead was the Xbox. other one. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, she was like, Cuphead was weird. She Because they they're not accustomed to that animation style. And she mm. was like, that is just out there when it, in the way yeah. it looks. Makes sense. Dude, Cuphead, there we go. There's the answer for that prior question. Yeah, that, I Look, thought that's I, what you were doing originally. I didn't know you oh, were... Oh, no, you, sorry. You were, you were crossing over a little. Yeah, it was a very good, a very good game. Number two, what's a game that is currently in awful condition that you personally want to see make a comeback? Examples given are Rainbow Six Siege, Battlefront 2, or a sequel that fixes what's broken. Anthem. I, yeah, I know a lot of people would probably think I'd say Fallout 76, but I'd rather Anthem. Anthem had at least, like, the chops gameplay-wise. Mm, it really reminded so. me of Andromeda, where I was like, this is fun to play, but everything mm-hmm. else is not very good. I would like to see Anthem figure out the the story, the world, and give it a second go. I would I would be very, very much keen so. on that because uh, I think that one has a lot of potential. Um, Universe wise, it never interested me. Just it's you know it's fun to play. It's just about getting us to care to play. Dude, I don't know about you, but universe wise, it reminds me. I don't know why, but of Destiny in the fact that I like the game, but I do not give a fuck about the universe. Where Halo. For some reason, I like the character and I like the universe, but Destiny and Anthem both, I, I'm just like could give two shits what's going on. In <laughs> I see, obviously, this is pretty apparent now after the fact. I, I know the the perspective on Destiny Two has really changed because I think it's free to play. I think a lot of people really like it too, which is great. I kind of always say now though that I think Bungie left a part of themselves behind when they went on from Halo to to Destiny, right? And right. and to, to kind of wrestle with all those changes that come with what is now a pretty uh popular game but um you know to, to wrestle with all those changes i think they they left a part of themselves behind to, to make it work it reminds me of the guy who i don't know if you've ever had this best friend who dates uh somebody who is really cool they fuck it up and every person they date after that has some element of the prior girlfriend <laughs> and that's destiny it, it has so many elements of every game bungie has worked on <laughs> and it's just there he just keeps returning to the well and keeps trying and you're mm-hmm. just like it's just not quite there bro it's just yeah try someone new <laughs> yeah try something completely new because you're you're plumbing that well too often and i would agree on destiny That's even cool. though i love the shooting in destiny love it um yeah. it feels like a, a pale shadow of what it could be if they were still working on halo mm-hmm Number three is what is something that you want to see more in video games that's typically considered too offensive, dark, graphic, or socially unacceptable? Personally, want to see a game address real religious beliefs, sex trafficking, and other world problems in a non-gamey manner. Uh, I think religious beliefs is one that's kind of getting tackled with the I Am Jesus Christ game. Apparently, it's it's going through like the whole story of Jesus Christ, and I thought that was really interesting, personally. I'm, I'm glad that games are going into that category, because I think they're such powerful storytellers uh, that they can... They have to delicately do so. You can't. There's some issues you can't gamify. Um, you have to be very delicate with those. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think that's the hesitation, Jemima, and um, why you maybe haven't seen some true issues uh, told there. My other take is really that um, not that it doesn't mean there isn't a place for the story, but I know games for even a lot of the people who make them, it's like their escape. And I don't think yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, I don't, you, you I don't think, yeah, I don't think <laughs> digging into those real issues is required. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even desired by the people who even make them. I don't want to speak for them. I just think, uh, you know, they, they'd rather put their initiatives into the real world on trying to help with those things, whether it's like donating to charities or whatever. Um, and, and when you make a game, it's to kind of help, bring you to a new place even if it's like a sad story bring you to a new place um and, and take you away from those things yeah because um like uh there's a couple games silver plays on the podcast where he plays like these really depressive games they're very they're fe- very few and far in between and um yeah most developers i think overall would much rather be like it, they'll handle something like the death of a family member or whatever in the game, but they don't want to dwell on it for too long because then you're like, well, dude, I'm experiencing this in real life. Why the fuck do I want to jump into a game that I'm interacting with it? I think for the war game, you played it, right? The um, this Not not this war is mine. It's the shooter that everybody liked so much because it dealt with you going insane um, oh. and you thought the bad guys with a or you thought yeah you thought the bad guys were bad but they're not they're good guys spec ops. um spec ops the line mm-hmm. so that dealt with ptsd um but i think that's few and far in between i don't think i i don't like you said i don't think a lot of people yeah. need i to think the it. delicate approach is the best because yeah you have moments like spec ops line where you're like oh shit like wow you know this this kind of transformed very quickly yeah and yeah. um, because, it, you know, I, I don't want to say I think it was done right because I don't know how, like, people who actually had PS- PTSD who experienced it responded to it. Um, but I felt, you know, the representation there, I was like, wow, you know, that was that was powerful. Like, I felt yeah. that. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Ben Jam with our final question of the episode. If a new gaming studio contacted you one day and said that they wanted you to be the new creative director for their next game, you could make any game you wanted to. Imagine that, right? Like someone just rings you up and goes, hey, want to make a game? I like your reviews, Maddie. Yeah. You want to come and make a brand new game? You sound like you know what you're doing. Uh, he said, what would, <laughs> what would you make? <laughs> hmm. What game would I make? Uh you see, I always like to go with, like, I'd direct the Rocksteady Studio into a 2003 open-world Ninja Turtles game because I could make that happen. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to think big. I'm going to try to think, like, I have a new IP. See if something comes to mind. What happens when you leave the house and your furniture comes to life and it's a fighting game with furniture? Your chair fights the <laughs> <your> couch. <laughs> I was just looking at a chair across the room. I was like, yeah, imagine if that shit was fighting my, my executive desk right now. <laughs> I firmly do. I firmly wanted this when Mass Effect started. Um, I thought maybe two or three was going to. And I don't know why I thought this because it's such a stupid thought. But I mm-hmm. had thought there was a chance that or Rockstar was going to do this where we got a GTA on like the Citadel. Where it's like, or, or like the Expanse TV show, where there's a there's a huge space station. You're a cop, but you're not the typical LA noir where you're on Earth, but you're on a completely different planet. Now we're getting cyberpunk, which I think replaces 
50 to 70% of what I want, but I still firmly would have loved a Mass Effect style game um, where you were the cop. You remember in Mass... Did you play all the Mass Effects? Yeah. So in Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, Michael Hogan, a voice actor who does Battlestar Galactica, he plays a CSEC cop, and you deal with him quite a few times in the series. And I continually was like, they need to make him the grizzled, shitty, alcoholic main character. And you need to, like, go out into the Citadel, fight, you know, try to figure out alien crime. Mm-hmm. I would love that kind of thing. Like an alien L.A. Noir, I guess, would be the easiest way to That'd describe be, it. Ooh, ooh. Alien? Yeah. yeah like Dealing with alien races and stuff. I, alien I like the L.A. Noir. That's, that's got a little ring to it. <laughs> I would like that. Yeah, I'd be a fan of that. I think VR... If I as I play more VR, I'm sure I could have like a legitimately better answer because I just think the level of interaction as I've been messing with it. I've been playing um, Skyrim VR, of course, as I mentioned, but I've been playing like The Forest, uh, which is like eh in the terms of VR. Yeah, just yeah. kind of tinkering with it because it's a game my friends and I can play together. Pavlov, you know, animations of like loading guns, cocking them. Um, actually like moving my fist and throwing a punch in Pavlov zombies and like actually knocking them back. Um, I think the more I interact with that type of stuff, Vader Immortal, um, I'll get a feel for that next step. Cause I think that's kind of where games can really head in a, a way that feels truly new, right? Like every game you are sitting down at the end of the day with a control in your hands and to have VR and you can just put yourself there a little bit more. Have I, you told people about this on your channel that you got VR? Did I no, miss a video? No, uh, no. I put so, a picture on my Twitter account of when I got the Rift S. My parents got it for me for Christmas. I was like, "Holy crap!" I did not expect it. Okay, so I so I had talked about this prior to you playing any VR. I think other than the PSVR. But one of the things I had said is like, when you play Skyrim, no matter how good your graphics are, you're still looking at a window, and then mm-hmm. you're seeing the world. And in Skyrim, now with a good VR, you're in it. Um, to me, the best part of Skyrim VR is the very is two moments, sneaking past the bear at the start, <laughs> very first because you're just like that bear's right there. It's not like in a window and over there. It's like when I look to the right, the bear's right there, and then walking outside that first time. Mm-hmm. And when when you go out and you're like walk outside and people are moving around and the wind's blowing and you explore places you've explored thousands of times. Um, but you're there. Did you feel that? Did you feel it right away? Did you? Oh, and did you get sick? Uh, first, first night I played, I tried. Um, actually, I tried the forest, and my friend warned me. He's like, "You, this is not like a great VR game. You know, if you start to feel sick, yeah, just stop." It's not. And I did, and around 15 minutes in, I started to feel a little queasy, and I was like, "All right," I said, "I'm feeling it. Let me." try an actual vr game so i did vader immortal which i just went into the arena and kind of stood up in my room and was just you know blocking blaster bolts and deflecting strikes and uh when i went into the story you know it was just teleporting so that was fine i actually didn't get sick um outside of you know that first 15 minutes where i started to feel a little queasy um and then you know you had to kind of get used to it a little bit because then i played about three hours of pavlov vr with my friend and that's also not like a teleport to move um, but I was just kind of, like I said, I was just in the shooting range, like testing guns and then went into zombies and like kind of stood in place for the most part, would move a little bit um, just to ease myself into it. And then when I went and played the forest last time with my friends, like I was fine. So 
it was a little bit of getting used to it. Um, but overall, uh, it's definitely a little bit of an adjustment for sure. Did you feel returning to Skyrim? Did you feel a huge difference VR to normal, or did you? Yeah, just, yeah, because you're just there. Like, uh, yeah, so, like yeah. that was kind of that's sorry. That's I was originally answering that question. No, it's all right. Um, yeah, that that ultimately is what kind of made me so in love with VR is because I remember like I was in the tutorial for Oculus and I was like grinning the whole time because I was like, wow, this is so cool. That I can like reach out and just touch something and um, to do that in like something like Skyrim. Uh, for me, my favorite is just doing bow and arrow, you know, just actually like yeah. holding the arrow, notching it on my bow and pulling it back and aiming. That puts me there, right? Like in Skyrim, I, I've done stealth archer builds before, but it's like to actually be the archer. Yeah. Really, really cool feeling. And to um, scale is what is the most effective thing, I think, in VR because – there are creatures that I've seen a million times before, but to actually be face to face with it and see, like, oh, he's got like two feet on me, right? And I'm right, just standing right. there, like, oh, like fuck, you know, it's really different, different feeling, and I think that's why it could be the future because obviously it's a little bit of an expensive buy-in, but once you're there, man, like you just kind of now games are starting to get to that point. I, I've been holding back on Asgard's Wrath. That was kind of the main reason I bought VR, but you know, I'm trying to adjust and try all these other titles out in the meantime. I haven't played like Beat Saber yet or anything, but um, I'm trying to just get involved in the, in the ecosystem. But man, yeah, it's, it's like a game changer when you get into that world. Yeah, it's cool. Um, Pavlov and Contractors are my two favorite shooters and people don't realize like when you load the gun in that game or, and, or you're under pressure and somebody's people don't realize it's not pressing a button. You have to press a button, you know, talk everything dude it's crazy and when you're under pressure even if it's bots or another person and you're like oh fuck and you drop the clip because you didn't hold the grip button you're like are you kidding me and it at first you drop your gun (laughs) oh dude how many times have i been like i'm gonna reload and the yeah the gun's like boo boo and you're like nah it's not what i want but um if people don't realize just how to me i think future for like esports and those kind of things, once they get the tracking perfect on all these, maybe smaller headsets, how amazing it will be to see mm-hmm. these people um, and the real like real skill to figure out how to reload and the pressure of 3D versus um, a 2D screen. It's totally different knowing a guy's behind you versus in the screen twisted around behind you. There's, they're two totally different mm-hmm. things. So yeah. it's cool you're getting a chance, man. Yeah, I love it, man. It's great, and I, I highly recommend it to anyone who's who's in, interested. That you know, maybe this year it's a little tough to buy into because you know you guys save up for the new consoles, but it's it's something worth keeping the eye on because of uh, like Half Life Alex is coming. Like I mentioned, Asgard's Wrath, Vader Immortal is great so far. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming, and Boneworks just came out. That's apparently really good. So there's a lot of good stuff already out. There's more coming. Um, so I, I definitely suggest those who are interested, keep your eye on it. You know, I don't think yeah, it's kind of sure. where it was originally when we first heard about it, where it's like, oh, gimmicks, mini games. There is still that. I got the, I haven't tried it yet. I got the, it was like 10 bucks or nine bucks. It was the Wizards game where you can like use your hands. Yeah. The game's awesome. Spells. Yeah, it looked it looked good, so I was like, I'll give it a shot. Um, but like I went to Skyrim. I was like, okay. Well, remember in Skyrim, you can add a mod that lets you do that. Yeah, true that. In Skyrim, you got to add that total... Total Dragon speaking one, though. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Mm-hmm. There's something so awesome about saying your voice lines and having the character talk back to you. And you're just like, yeah, it's so cool, man. Yeah, when I you add that. that mod in, you're just like, oh, my God, this is next level. 
Cool. Glad you got it. Well, that will uh, wrap up episode 236 of the Ham Radio Podcast. We hope each and every single one of you did enjoy. Um, As always, leave your feedback, uh, whether it be in the comments or on Twitter at Jeremy Penter at G27Status. If you got this deep into the episode and you care to let us know, you can tag us on Twitter and we'll say use the hashtag. What it was like a highlight this show. We had a lot of good moments. Um, your mic is muted. Minus? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. you... <laughs> now we're definitely yeah. using it. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, we should use that. All right. So or just this... muted, whichever yeah. one. Yeah, muted. Muted's a little easier. Yeah. Just let us know you got this far. Tag us on Twitter. Say muted. If you want to leave some feedback outside of that, by all means, we appreciate when you guys interact. You don't get a prize or anything, but, you know, it's good for us. It's good for us. Yes, it's a good little cycle we got going on. So thank you guys so much. And we will catch you all next week with episode 237. Peace, Peace out. out.